What is up? You have found I Like the Blazers. I am your host, Brandon Goldner, and I am ecstatic to share that we have an old friend. You know who he is. Who the hell are you? It's Keith. Keith Feltner-Smith. What's up, man? (laughs) What's up, man? Thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. Dude, yeah, it's really good to see you, too. Uh, Keith Feltner-Smith of the Trailcasters with Ty Delbridge. Obviously, we may or may not have done a few podcasts together in our time. Yeah, we, we, we got some of that going, man. You uh, you helped me uh, grind my teeth, get my get my start going. So grind you your teeth? Much. Are your teeth uh, okay? Sharpen I mean, your teeth? Flat, what, what's, what's the phrase? Uh, some... Yeah, I think sharpen your teeth. Your teeth are looking pretty good, though. Uh, thank um, you. Appreciate it. No braces. Wait, remember <laughs> remember that time, fuck, that the first time we went to NBC and we did the test when they yeah. were like, and at the end, I was like, when oh, we shit. we were almost the outsiders. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, totally. But then I was like, at the very end, I'm like, hey, I think, that, is there something? And you're like, you didn't tell me I had something in my teeth, like, the whole time. <laughs> That's right. I, yeah. I, I, so, so I'm, I'm good today. I'm doing all right. We're yeah, clear. you look okay. great. <laughs> and by the way, like, it, I, you couldn't even tell. It was so small. Um, anyway, grinding your teeth, sharpening your teeth, however you want to put it. Yeah, dude, it's good to see you again. Um, you know what's not been quite as good are the Blazers. Uh, yeah. It's been rough. And now so, it's good to see them. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I mean, I appreciate that you, I mean, you always come with the Blazers memorabilia. You have, let's see, you have the shirt. You have, oh, yeah. is that a Rip City blanket? Is that what I'm seeing? Yeah, I actually got that for uh, for uh, Christmas this year from my father-in-law. It's a, a nice, very soft, comfy blanket. Nice, dude. Looks pretty sweet. That's sick. Mm. Uh, the thing that I got that I'm stoked about, so um, Cassie had a pass to the Nike employee store. Dang, that's huge. Yeah, it's like too big to actually see on camera, sorry. <laughs> no, I want one of those. Um, and I got one of the uh, the cream color, the vertical Rip City kind of retro throwback jerseys. Nice, dude. I want to get that. It's, it, you know, I was really divided at first. I didn't like it, and I'm totally interested in your story, but I, it is it is, I, it is uh, it is warmed up on me, I guess. So please tell me uh, about this beautiful jersey that I have not added to my collection yet. What do you got? Who'd you get? I, I, so I got McCollum, um, partly, nice. partly because the sizes that were available, it goes from like small to like double XL. And so McCollum had a medium and here's the thing about these jerseys <laughs> that I so appreciate. Like, I don't know if you find this, that like some of the jerseys are very boxy, like they fit yes. super weird, like around the, the arms. And so this one is like a nice kind of fitted uh, not like super tight, but just like it looks like really good. It hangs well, and so that's why I actually appreciate it a bunch. Is it just looks good on the body? Um, so yeah. To be honest, I feel like uh, I'm not sure if it was a change they made when they switched to Nike, but I do feel like the jerseys recently have been way better fitted for, let's say, just the general fan body. Um, yeah. Anyway, and, and um, let's be honest too. A lot of fans are probably a little more barrel chested than you and I are. Uh, but uh, you know, even you're more so on the extreme. I'm trying to get there. I'm working on it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, is uh, they are fitting better now, and I'm glad to hear that one fits well. I, I definitely am looking for one of those, and so hopefully at some point. Honestly, I think ideally I would like to find a mellow one of those cream colors because i feel like it's a unique jersey for this year and he's obviously a unique player a unique blazer for this year i'd say uh and i'm also not super itching to get in a a son white side jersey right now so yeah it would be mellow (laughs) oh man uh let's actually talk about both those players in a second but before we do yeah before we do let's talk about let's go nba wide just so we can avoid talking about the blazers for one second yeah uh I just want to talk about this. I know it's been a couple days, but John Bayline is the 66-year-old coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and there has been a decent amount of reporting and a lot of on-court uh, 
how you say malfeasance or like um, <laughs> curmudgeonness from the players indicating that maybe he doesn't have the best control of this locker room, doesn't have buy-in from the team. So John Bayline talking to his team at the end of a practice apparently calls this group of predominantly black young NBA athletes calls them thugs saying that you're no longer playing like a bunch of thugs. It was reported by Adrian Morzorowski of ESPN <laughs> and John Bayline claims, and I want to get your take on this. John Bayline claims he claimed Keith that he meant to say, he didn't mean to say the word thugs. He meant to say the word <laughs> slugs because they were playing like, like a bunch of slugs, Brandon, they were playing slow. That's what he meant to say. They were playing like, like some slow slugs out there. That's, that's totally what he meant. So what do you, when you hear that, like, let's, I, I, let's get to the thugs part in a second, but just what do you think of that? Like, do you believe him when he says, I didn't mean to say thugs, I meant to say slugs? What say you? Not for a second do I believe that. I'm sorry. Look, I mean, I have heard some people come to the defense of like, look, they were playing really slow. They've been a very bogged down team. And he was trying to give him a compliment. He was trying to say, you guys were playing like slugs. And and he even tried to say in his explanation that he's uh, addressed players individually he's gone and had individual conversations and they seem okay with his explanation that oh look i was trying to give you a compliment i was saying you were playing slow and you're not doing it now bullshit yeah it's it's, it's, that's it's a weak ass cover-up and honestly of all the if this was a word slip like a, a slip of the tongue this is the probably one of the worst ones you could have within politically correct uh, uh, speech, you know what I mean? Unless he slips into something that is completely, obviously wrong, this is about as bad as you get. Well, and, like, so not to mention that let's say he really did mean to say slugs in the word thugs. Yeah, give him the benefit of the doubt, but... I mean, I'm not going to, but for one second I will. Um, What does it say about what's going on in your brain that, like, that's the word that, like, just happens to tumble out of there, the word thugs? And, like, the fact that he said, well, geez, I didn't have any idea until people told me after. I had no idea I had used that word. I just, I mean, so you you do broadcasting. Um, You, I mean, have professional experience dealing with clients, with people, and so do I. I know that when I'm addressing people that, I'm thinking about my words, and if I mess up, I'm I'm pretty aware, like, right, right. away that you mess yeah. up. Like, has there ever been a time that you've been talking to people, and you said something, and you literally didn't catch that you said a completely different word? Has that ever happened to you okay, ever? Okay, I, I will say this. I, I will say— No, no don't do it! If, don't do no, it! If, if, if we're giving him the benefit of the doubt for a minute, I will say— I've I've seen on the job where someone on air has said, uh, you know, kind of, uh, again, just mixing up their words, putting things in the wrong phrase, and they don't realize until after we're like, hey, uh, just just the other day, we were working on the no-show. Shout out to Brian and Eric. Uh, and Brian was trying to talk about if you don't like the smell of bacon, there's something wrong with you. He was trying to say, if you, you have to like this, but he worded it in a way where if you don't like the smell of bacon, then you're not crazy or something weird like this, where it's like the double negative. He didn't catch it till off air, and we're kind of laughing, me and Eric on the side, we pointed out to him, and, you know, jokes ensue later. So, yeah, I get it. Maybe where there's that there's that kind of possibility, and I, to be honest, I haven't heard the audio of of Bayline talking to the players. I in my head, I'm trying to imagine could he have been like, look, you guys used to be playing like, like a bunch of slugs, and there's some sort of list where he's like, bunch of slugs. Maybe, but even then, you catch that, you say, <clears throat> excuse me, slugs. 
Right. You don't let it go till later. It's 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 not. It doesn't doesn't follow up. I think I think that what you're describing, like when you're trying to phrase something and use a double negative, or you know that that happens, but using a totally different word. I don't know if that happens. Yeah. You know what? I, whose opinion I'd like to get is Brenda Nuckton of Clearly Speaking, because she is a certified speech language pathologist. She could probably tell us whether it's very common for someone to use a totally different word that happens to rhyme with the word slugs and by the way like i was thinking about like after this happened like was he going through ah shit what rhymes pugs tugs <laughs> slugs that's slugs. it oh. so um here's, Look, here's honestly i think they were playing like a, a bunch of pugs i think they looked like a bunch of pugs out on the floor you know there, so. i think i think friend of both shows evan m evan mccarthy would take umbrage to that uh, his, his pug, Fat Man, is obviously the dopest. Um, Fat so, Man's a baller, bro. Yeah. So let's <laughs> let's let's actually let's leave aside whether or not he meant to use one word or the other. I know that some people have said or claimed, not a ton, and 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 frankly, not a ton of people in my Twitter basketball circle. But some people have said, well, even if he did use the word thugs, what's the big deal? I wanted to play a clip for us and then get mm. your response to this about the use of the word thug and what it might mean. Um, the audio that we're going to hear is John McWhorter, who's an associate professor of English and comparative literature at Columbia University. This was an interview with NPR back in 2015. So this was five years ago now about the use of the word thug. Take a listen and then let's get your feedback. Well, the truth is that thug today is a nominally polite way of using the N-word. Many people suspect it, and they are correct. When somebody talks about thugs ruining a place, it is almost impossible today that they are referring to somebody with blonde hair. It is a sly way of saying, there go those black people ruining things again. And so anybody who wonders whether thug is becoming the new N-word doesn't need to. It most certainly is. So, Keith, I mean, that's somebody who knows a lot more about this kind of stuff than you and I. Um, what? How does that resonate with you when you hear that? Yeah, you said that was a Columbia professor? That's Is correct, that, yep. Wow, yeah, I, I I feel like that's a pretty good authority as far as uh, <laughs> if you want to talk about any, any sort of uh, intellectual issue like this. Uh, yeah, man, I, I, I think that holds up. I think it does make sense that – look at who else uses that kind of language nowadays. Uh if we want to reference number 45, you know, if that's the kind of person, if I'm thinking just off the top of my head, someone who's going to be uh, in any context using the word thug, because I think in general people realize, yeah, this is this is kind of a word that is associated with stuff that you don't want to be saying. You don't want to be, it's it's not politically correct to go there, and it's it's referencing, uh, it's, it's yeah, it's referencing it's, racism. And it's, it's coded language. It. Yeah, right? it's, thank you. There we go. That's the phrase I'm looking for. It is coded language, and the only people you see using this are generally people uh, who are racist or prejudiced in some way or another. And it's, it's and so when you look at Bay, uh, Bayline, is it Beeline or Bayline? Bayline uh, right? I think it's actually Beeline, which Bayline. is it's weird. To... I feel like, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I think it's Beeline. Uh, when you, Beeline, whatever his name is, he is a very old, uh, very white <laughs> man. <laughs> and so it's it's not a far jump to think that this guy, well, like what he, what might've been going through his head, so. Well, and the, I mean, the other thing too is, this dude doesn't have any NBA experience. So he's been a college coach, a successful one for a long time. And so now in his mid sixties, 
he's making the jump to the NBA and the culture of basketball teams in the NBA is so much different than in college, right? Like the coach has this certain standing in college. They are the authority. They do the recruiting. They're the ones in charge. You don't question the coach and the culture of the NBA is much different where it's much more. The NBA is becoming a lot less of an army mentality where you follow the general and do whatever the general does to more of a collegial workplace, which I think is good for professionalism, for the autonomy of the players and we talk about this phrase that gets used a lot the player empowerment movement that to me is a super super good thing i mean these are the people on the court these are the people who you and i want to watch and want to talk about these are the people making all the billions of dollars for the league it's not the coaches it's not the owners it's the players so this guy coming in from college you know i my final verdict on this judge goldner says that (laughs) he said thugs he meant thugs he didn't think it was going to be a big deal. And then when it started becoming a big deal, he went, oh, shit. And then he backtracked. Let me ask you this. How much follow-up do you think there's going to be on this? Because I feel like other issues, if it, other similar issues involving, uh, yeah, like let's let's say a, 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 a racial slip of the tongue, however we want to, like the coded language, this stuff has gotten followed up on, uh, especially in the NBA. Uh, and I feel like, I mean, obviously what Donald Silver did is not, the same as this. There's kind of some different levels there. Uh, so I'm not trying to even say that Beeline necessarily has to be fired outright, but I think there should be some follow-up. And I do, Would you expect an apology at some point from him, more than we've heard so far, or do you think this is going to kind of fade away? I think that's a really good point, which is what happens next. And the problem is, first of all, it doesn't seem like anything else is going to happen. And second of all, he never gave a real apology. When asked mm. what he would do differently next time, what did he say? He said, enunciate better. So this doesn't allow... <laughs> Seriously, so this doesn't allow for any healing or any amount of accountability. Like, if, okay, here's the thing. No, man, that, that's doubling down. That's not accountability at all. Like, he's he's fully like, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Right. So here's the thing. Like, if he had come out and said, hey, uh, you know, during this film session, I used the word thugs. I wanted to say that was wrong. That has racist undertones. And, you know, I, I am really sorry. That's horrible. I shouldn't have said it. I'm going to explore kind of in myself why I said that, where that came from, and I, I will be better next time, and I was wrong, period. If he had done that, I think it would have been fine. It would have allowed for accountability. Is it too late? Is yeah. it too late for him to go I think back? It's, I think yeah. it's too late because he's already said, oops, like I didn't even – I didn't know I said it. I didn't mean to say it. So yeah, I agree. Anyway, I, I just to, just to say, like talking about the culture of the locker room, imagine a coach like John Beeline, if he were coaching a team like the Blazers with the expectations that they have and the talent that they have and the culture they have. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't want this. I'm just saying I think it'd be such an interesting experiment to switch Terry Stotts with John Beeline and see what would be happening in the Ooh. Blazers locker room night, night, night. Because as poorly as the Blazers are playing, and let's, I guess, now pivot to the Blazers, this is about the Blazers after all. Look, man, I love that we went wide to the NBA and we end up on such a nice, <laughs> like, <laughs> happy, energetic topic. Well, I mean, like, I, so let me just, the real transition is that Terry Stotts is an awesome human being. Yes. Dude, and by the way, another white dude in his 60s, and he would never do something like that. So just to say, like, let's let's all praise to Terry Stotts, um, who is trying to hold together this team that has been underperforming badly, that is suffering from all sorts of injuries. The Blazers now find themselves at 16 and 23, 10th in the conference. Oof. Amazingly, they're not that far out of the playoffs. And before we get into individual players, just as a as an observer, as someone who is in Blazers media, 
what what is the sense that you're getting from other people who are also in the media who have to cover this team again given those expectations is it, it does it feel weird does it feel down what what does the energy feel like well, first of all, I gotta say it's 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 crazy weird to hear you refer to me as media. I'm still just a podcaster, and I work. I'm a nerd <laughs> that works those switchboards for the media. I'm I'm on the on the edges and just kind of observing. But ah, you're decided, the media. You're the enemy. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. Uh, no, uh, I'm with you though, man. Praise the stats. He's doing all he can with an absolutely wrecked roster. Uh, it's it's crazy. And honestly, you touched on the playoff thing too. That we're not that far out in tenth place. What's the most amazing thing to me beyond how wrecked our roster is, is how this has happened all across the league. There are so many teams that are just decimated by injury right now. And it's getting even worse. Philly just lost Embiid, right? Uh, I think, is that possibly for the season? Is that, is no, that I can't remember exactly. I, I, he got, he had, so he dislocated his finger, which by the way, don't Google those images. Oh, it um, is a bad dislocation. Yuck. Wow. He, had, he had surgery. He's being evaluated in a few weeks. So he'll be back at some point. Okay, I wasn't really sure what the timeline was. Yeah, that's not important, though. It, it, the league, uh, league-wide, though, we are seeing injuries like crazy, and it's insane that our roster, with as many injuries as we have, is still possibly on the lower end of the playoffs. I don't even think they should be. I almost wish they would kind of ease off Dame and CJ's minutes, get more run for the young guys. But, hey, even there, now we've lost Skull. So there goes one of our kind of young towns that you would like to see some development time for, uh, following Zach out the, the same same uh, same road for that one. But, man, I don't know. It's it's rough. So as far as, yeah, the, the feeling, I what I'm seeing uh, around the media, as you're, you're calling me now, uh, what I'm seeing <laughs> from a lot of those people is uh, the same kind of thing, man. There are days in there where people are just like, can we talk football? Can we just avoid Blazers for at least a segment? Because it's, it's rough. It's rough to, to go over right now. Well, speaking of Dame's minutes, he's played 37 games this season. Only five of those games has he played fewer than 30 minutes, and one of them was the loss last night against the Timberwolves. So, yeah, I, I'm with you on they need to start limiting his minutes. Excuse me as I as I give a nice coffee burp there. Um, <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to know about that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and it's it's been it's been harsh. Obviously, I mean, you you tick down all the injuries and all the people that the Blazers expected to have on the court. Remember, they expected to have Pau Gasol playing some minutes. Rodney yeah. Hood out, Nurkic out, Scal out. Who else? Oh, Zach Collins out. Collins, Who uh, else am I missing? Am I missing uh, anyone Hizonia else? Hazonia just re-aggravated his back. Yeah, uh, he came. He came back for us. And how about that? The Hozonia alone, just as an example, that dude when we came into the season was going to be a fringe bench player, and now he's being relied upon for. I mean, I don't know what his minutes are, what his minutes were last night off offhand, but he's not quite a starter, man. But he he very well could be if we have one more injury among the front court. Yeah, it's scary. I I will say that for as poorly as Hazonia's been playing, that one thing I enjoyed seeing last night, some people were pointing it out, was the fact that he looks so good in transition, and that's what we saw. Oh, yeah. Right in preseason, and oh, yeah. the, I, I think the problem with that <clears throat> is if the Blazers want to have one of either Dame or CJ on the court at all times, are either of those guys known for running? No. So no. Um, I don't know how Hazonia is going to really maximize what he's good at on this team. The Blazers under Stotts have never really been a running team at any rate. Um, yeah. Let me, let me say this real quick. As far as uh, trying to switch towards the young guys, maybe we are starting to see this transition now at the end of the road trip here. Uh, looking at minutes from last night, Hazonia only got nine. That surprises me a little bit. I 
just from watching him, I would have thought it was more than that. Uh, just seeing what he did on the floor, he kind of seemed to catch your eye more than what I would have thought was nine minutes worth. But we got a young, a lot of young guys playing. Um, Simon's had 19 minutes. Nasir Little had 12. Jalen Horde had 16. Gary Trent Jr. Wait, who? had 24. Who was that? Jalen Horde. Who the hell is wait, that? I'm, no, wait, is that? <laughs> I was like, hold on, am I getting the name wrong? Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, he's he was our, uh, one of the, uh, the the G League dudes, right? Like, he and uh, Moses Brown were kind of the guys that were going back and forth with Texas Legends. Uh, and yeah, man, uh, Jalen Horde, he was looking pretty good actually too he looked good in the in the minutes he was getting what what was uh, but, he what was he doing where uh what what did you think looked good i didn't see the whole game he plays jalen horde i think plays like a smaller version of nasir where he's kind of he's, he's he's obviously young and he's a wing player uh but he's athletic man and he moves and he he attacks the basket like i think if you got him more time and obviously more just like development and just kind of size as he gets older uh he could be worth something he could be good i liked what i saw from him but i mean like gary trent jr playing 24 that's pretty much starter minutes right there so yeah i mean at least if we're seeing you know the minutes coming down from dame and cj and the rest like you said he dame played 29 last night cj 24 uh i'm okay with the white side at 27 Bazemore 29 gosh uh by the way was well, I mean, not only the minutes. I mean, this was a weird game. The Blazers were out of it in the third quarter, down by nearly 30. So, I mean, it was just an odd. Oh. By the way, against a Minnesota team it's that so didn't bad. even have Carl Anthony Towns, like, that's just disappointing. Uh, weird. Well, and they're, they're all sick, though, too. Is I mean, you see the Blazers running around last night getting on the floor, man. Everybody just hitting the hitting the hardwood. Everyone fell. Yeah. I think, uh, was it Tolliver that like, got checked on the hip and like just felt like uh, just flat on his back? Man. Yeah, and the upper respiratory thing is a real thing. I think CJ's probably still recovering. Hassan's now suffering from it. But like a, <laughs> a weird box score from last night. Two more quick things. I want to talk about uh, Mello. But um, yeah. ba- Baysmore of all of the starters, had the best plus-minus at a plus-two, but he went 0 for 8 from the field. That's <laughs> oh, <no>. bizarre. Um, <clears throat> oh, my God. That's insane. Yeah, it's, not, yeah, it's not good. Uh and then CJ McCollum, a terrifying minus thirty-one in his twenty-four minutes. So, jeez, yeah, not 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 good. Um, let's do talk about Mello because it's been a while. I actually haven't had a podcast myself for about a month, the holidays and everything else. So, yeah, yeah. we have a whole another month of sample size to pull from. What as the Blazers have been decimated by injuries as we've been talking about, as Mello was brought in to play a certain role, like what is your kind of overall impression about what he's adding to this team and how he's fitting in so far? I'm liking what Mello is doing a lot more than I thought I would, to be totally honest. And you and I, you know, uh, listeners can, I'm sure, remember back to old Trillcast's episodes. Man, like a whole back in the last de- uh, last decade. Jeez, now that we're here in the 2020, it seems so long ago. Uh, but yeah, we we, we had some uh, some fun conversations about Mello <laughs> coming to the Blazers at some point or another. And it didn't happen at the time, but to see him here now, I am pleasantly surprised by what he's been doing. And uh, I'm not sure if you happen to hear the... Uh, the Blazers Edge pod that Tara Bowen Biggs did, Team Mom, uh, where she talked to a bunch of um, fans from different cities that Mello had played in. And the theme, Tara pointed this out on Trailcasters a while ago, the theme was kind of that all these fans had good things to say about Mello. So despite the uh, reputation that he has to fans outside of uh, of his franchises, similar to what we saw with Cantor last year, where Cantor had a really bad reputation and comes up here and won fans over really quick. I feel like we're seeing a lot of the same from Mello so far this year. 
Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, even the fact that people like you, a huge Blazers fan, are like, hey, my next jersey is going to be a mellow jersey. Like, that says yeah. something. I never would have thought I would say that. If you asked me that last year, like, hey, you're going to want a mellow jersey next year? Like, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Here's, and, and uh, this doesn't come up as much in the box score. I guess it does a little bit because he is, I mean, look, he's taking a lot of shots, but a that's what he does and b he has to given all the injuries the only thing that i would say and i wonder if you agree about this it is tough sometimes to watch him play when it's very obvious that the ball just sort of sticks where it would be much more useful if the ball would kind of ping around a little bit more and get passed around a little bit more and there are times where he does kind of intentionally keep the ball moving but it almost looks like he has to really struggle to remember oh like i need to pass sometimes where so often like it's not that the shot isn't open it's just that there could be a better shot like it is two steps inside the three-point line is that really the shot you want when you have you know Dame and Anthony Simons and CJ on the court at the same time. Is that really the shot you want? So I don't know. Like, do you think like, again, caveat, caveat, caveat. I know the Blazers are injured. (laughs) They need offense from somewhere, but like, do you have any concerns about maybe if the Blazers do get closer to full health about his ability to integrate into an offense that is functioning maybe a little bit more like we wanted to see it function with all the players back? I do a little bit. I, I think that's a legit concern. Uh, Oh, and let me, again, caveat, like you said, Melo has had a lot of good offense for us this year, More a more varied offense than I would have expected him to bring. I've seen some really good rebounding. I've seen him getting underneath the basket and kind of getting away from some jumpers. Uh, and honestly, he and CJ seem to have a pretty good chemistry as far as kind of moving the ball back and forth. But yeah, beyond that, the reputation that has preceded Melo as far as being a bit of a black hole uh, when the ball gets to him, kind of true. We, we saw at the end of one game the other day, uh, of, I think on this road trip or maybe right before the trip, I don't remember what game it was, but same kind of thing where Dame, uh, uh, the ball got to Scal, and I think, or yeah, Dame passed the ball to Scal at the top of the arc, and I think Dame was kind of expecting to get it back, but Scal didn't really know who to give it to, sees Melo open, passes to Melo, and Melo had no uh, no motivation to get rid of that ball except to shoot it. So yeah. I, I, I'm a little concerned about what that could look like with a healthy roster, but uh, then again, I'm not sure if that'll be a question we really have to deal with this year. So we'll see. Ouch. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. The other thing, and, and this is a little bit more nuanced and maybe I'm off base. You can tell me if I'm just bullshitting, but it does seem that the Blazers offense with him on the floor, it lacks some unpredictability that just makes your offense easier. I think that sometimes his ability to, kind of have the ball stick with him is masked when he makes some of those shots. And then you look at the box score and say, Oh, at halftime, Bello has 14 points on, right. you know, like five of eight shooting. Like that's really good. But three of those possessions were as soon as he gets the ball, you can tell the defense, they know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And I almost wonder if the ball were moving a little bit more and other people were taking more open shots, if that would allow for the Blazers to get better shots later, just because the defense doesn't know where the next shot's going to come from. Whereas with Melo on the floor, it might be more predictable. I think that's a very good point. I, I think you're right on, honestly. Uh, it is a weakness in our offense. On one hand, he is reliable for offensive production. And like you said, that's kind of just what this team needs right now. But on the other hand, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sure that defenses, especially as you get further into the season and approaching playoffs, when people are really starting to lock into to their team chemistry and kind of their, their system, it, that, that is going to be a really easy thing for uh, teams to defend. So yeah, not going to be good. But again, I, I think the, the bigger factor this season is going to be that 
no matter what Melo does, I don't know if we have a roster that's going to be able to get too much further than he would uh, than we would get with him on it, I guess. I do agree with that. And speaking of the roster, the Blazers don't have any centers. Can I ask, like, we were talking a little bit early about the box score, and you mentioned Jalen Horde, and I was half kidding when I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah. Why, why isn't Moses Brown yes. with the team right now? What's like, what, why not? Dude, I am baffled by that. I have literally no idea. Because, again, we're seeing the young guys starting to get minutes last night. Uh, and Jalen Horde and Moses Brown, the two of them were both playing with the Legends down in Texas, like I mentioned. Uh, and you would think that if Horde is up here that Moses would be getting some rotation minutes too, especially when the one center that we do have on the roster in uh, Hassan Whiteside is just as sick as CJ. There, there was a point last night, the fall that he took last night, he went up for a block and kind of caught a Timberwolf underneath him. Uh and when he's on the floor, man, he just looked gassed. Like, he didn't even want to get up. And it wasn't from, like, injury or pain, but he was just lying there. He was just wiped out. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't have Moses Brown in there. The only thing that comes to mind is, it, like, they need bodies that big. They have no one beyond Whiteside and Brown that is over 6'8 on the roster. You know uh, so, you know who they need to call? They need to call Brian Freeman. Get him out of retirement. <laughs> yes. Shout out. Get him on the uh, team. But yeah, man. Honestly, I I think the only the only reason I can think of that they're not playing him is is he just too raw? Are they? It, it, does he maybe have some other injury thing going? Or is this simply the one bit of control the front office might have about not trying to have the team like you know? We always say that players can't tank, right? And obviously, Stotts isn't going to tank. They're they're trying to do the best they can. One thing the uh, front office might be able to do to keep the team from moving ahead further would be limiting what players they're bringing in. Oh, so you're suggesting that the Blazers are stealth tanking? I, I'm not even saying the Blazers because, again, the coach isn't, the players aren't, nothing the fans are watching is tanking. But the front office might just be making a decision that we don't need to give them more help if we don't want the team to be pushing it harder, you know? I mean, again, if we're seeing all these young guys play, why would we – yeah, it's, it's, it's just not that season where I think they're that concerned with pushing hard for a playoff spot. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. And one more thing on Moses Brown, there is something about those two-way contracts, and I'll admit I don't have all the details in my head. That's a good point. Yeah, about the maximum number of days they can spend with the team before the contract converts. And I know that they're up against the luxury tax, and so maybe they're trying to save those limited number of days he could be with the team until later in the season or something. That's I, interesting. I, I could. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that, that, that was that was pretty much it. That was my thought. I could see something like that, and especially if we've got Horde up here, I think they're seeing promising enough stuff from him where maybe he's again if we know long term that Whiteside is not going to be here and they probably maybe are making some decisions on Moses Brown long term like if they see him as a piece that they're trying to develop here in Portland or if he's more just someone that won't be around we know that Nurk will be back we know that Collins will be back so maybe they're just looking at like you said if there's only a limited amount of games they can play him up here they just want to save that for later while Jalen Horde is a player they can kind of look at right now get an idea of and I wouldn't be too surprised if he was someone they offered a, a, a bigger contract to Speaking of Nurk, we did have some reporting from Blazers reporter Casey Holdall that Nurk was hey. in uniform and warming up. We've seen him running stairs. Oh, We've seen him taking jumpers. We know he's moving around. Over under, Nurk is going to be back in one month. Over under. Okay, <laughs> that's a great question. I have to reference a uh, shout out to Ty over on Trailcasters with me. Uh, shout out. We have, we have an over under bet. Uh, at March 1st for his return. And I think uh, I think I'm on the underside of March 1st and Ty was over. I don't know if that's the right way around. Maybe I have it reversed. I always try and... You think he's going to be back sooner? This. I think I do, but again, I might be on the other side when we made the bet. I just, in my head, I always said reverse. Okay, well, what do you think right now? And he did right get ignored now, that, yeah. 
Yeah, right now I think that Nurk is probably back uh, within the next month. But God, dude, I don't know if it's a good idea. I, I, I don't back healthy versus playing big minutes on the floor. Like I don't. Again, I just don't know. Do we want to push this guy if he's going to be our long term answer? And we're not sure how far the season is going. Well, here's the good news: the injury he's coming back from. Right. It's yes. It's a broken bone. So we're not talking about cartilage. We're not talking about a ligament or a tendon or an Achilles. Like we're talking about a bone. So there, to the best of my knowledge, there's not really anything you can do. Bones are one of those things where they heal, they heal stronger than they were before. So I don't think, I don't think that I'm not as concerned about that. Like again, like you don't want to push someone out there that's not conditioned and maybe that lack of conditioning would make them more prone to some other kind of injury. But I'm not as concerned about that. And I, I figure if he's been running, running stairs and all that stuff, like he's got to be getting pretty close. Yeah, he does. He does seem like he's in pretty good shape, man. Running those stairs is not easy even for uh, for, for a guy that size. It's not going to be easy no matter what shape you're in. So he, he's got to be somewhere close. And just looking at the pictures, I don't know if you get this sense, but he actually looks, he looks um, even in the face, he doesn't look as big as he did at the beginning of the season. You look at some of his, totally. yeah, his media day pictures. Dude was looking hefty. Um, yeah. He looks, he looks better. So yeah, I agree. I think he's looking pretty healthy, man. And you've got a good point that the bones, bones do heal stronger. This is not. Uh, it might just be kind of that injury paranoia from everything else we've seen, and I'm not, not wanting to rush him back. Uh, and it is probably a good idea to make sure that he can shake the rust off. Uh, that he's not going to be, you know, like to get him some minutes at the end of the season is definitely going to help him as far as just probably the confidence in the floor coming back next year too. But man, I just, I, I'm worried that fans on one hand, I'm worried that fans are going to be, they're going to see Nurk and think, all right, we're making a playoff push. Here we go. Let's go. And then it's going to set them up for another letdown. If we don't, uh, on the other hand, with how bad this team is wrecked by injuries, boy, it sure would be fun to have Nurk on the floor and watch some, ba- some of his basketball, man, that'd be some fun stuff. Yeah, and I also, I I think that Nurkic's standing in the organization, his confidence in the organization, his relationship with Dame is such where he could probably handle coming off the bench. Like, if you had talked about this when he first got here, might bruise his ego, make him feel bad, but I think that they probably have more leeway with that nowadays. So that's a good thing. Well, so there's a question, though. If Nurk would be coming off the bench, that seems to imply that you think Whiteside would still be here. You don't think that Whiteside, that they'd be looking to maybe move him at some point soon? Because I I feel like the general feeling is that they are probably trying to move. I don't remember if it was Casey or someone else around the team, but I think someone reported that they wouldn't be surprised at all to see either Bayes or Whiteside's contract get moved out before the deadline. I hope that they do. It's just a matter of it takes two to tango. And if another team doesn't see the value in that expiring contract or doesn't see the value in the ability to re-sign him at a more reasonable number, then it may not be under their control. And I hope they do. So, um, yeah, and that's that's a that's a podcast for another day about all the different people (laughs) the Blazers could target. By the way, one more quick thing uh, that folks are I've seen a couple people on Twitter saying, why haven't the Blazers made this trade yet? Well, no teams have made any. I think there's been has there been one trade that's happened so far. Oh, has there? I didn't even know. There was one. Yeah, there was one minor trade, and I can't remember now the names off the top of my head. But but there's not like this flurry of activity. So everybody, cool your jets. When we get closer to the deadline, stuff's going to happen. The contingencies, the contingencies will be opened up, and the Blazers will have opportunities to deal if other teams want to do that. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not too concerned about nothing happening yet. 
Yeah, it is one of these things where I think because of how our roster has uh, looked this year, we, uh, the Blazers media has been very active about, hey, trade season is open, uh, to just kind of keep fans engaged. But the reality of the situation, Danny Morang was talking about this on Outsiders last night, I think. Shout out to him. Uh, that teams generally don't make moves until right before the deadline. It's The prices are going to go down. Look at Kevin Love, for example. All the talk about... First, it was that Kevin Love wanted out of Cleveland and that he wanted to Portland. Now it's that he doesn't want to Portland at all, but he wants to get moved somewhere. Teams are waiting because Cleveland Cleveland is wanting too high of a price tag. By the time the deadline gets closer, that price tag has to drop. More likely, a deal gets done. Same thing applies for Portland. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not I'm not too worried about it. If something is out there, th- th- by the way, like these GMs are talking to each other. The uh, the Plan A, plan B, plan C, those are all kind of tentatively in place. It's just a matter of like when that first domino falls and other stuff kind of sequences behind it. Um, well, with that, I mean, is there anything else that you want to talk about Blazers related? I mean, the Blazers have a pretty difficult stretch of their schedule coming up. Oof. Is it fair to say, are you, where, where are you? Are you in, in team turn it around, make the eighth seed? Or are you in team stealth tank? Where are you? <laughs> um, I, I want to see good basketball. So I'm not against them making the eighth seed. I don't, I just don't want fans to have hopes for a big playoff run, uh, no matter what seed we get. And that's the other thing, too. We know the top six seeds in the West are probably pretty locked because the the, the top six teams are looking pretty solid. Below that, honestly, I think it might only be the top six teams in the West that even have an above 500 record. I think seven below. At least recently, it was only those top six that were above 500. So everything below that is kind of in play. We could be seventh, we could be eighth, we could be tenth, and it could all be decided on like the last day of the regular season. Uh, I am not here for tanking. I'm here for good basketball for sure. But I guess the caveat, like you've uh, brought up, is that this team, I, I just I don't want them to be pushing for the playoffs if it means that they have to be running Dame and CJ into the ground and wearing them down for, for next season. I'm with you on that. And also remember, if you think about it's hard to predict the future, but Damian Lillard is here long term and he still has years left of his prime. Is it better to kind of be mired in mediocrity for three more years or is it better maybe to take a dip this year to increase the chances that the Blazers can maximize the late half of his prime in years two and three. And that's something that I think, I hope that Olshay is talking to Dame and his team about, look, you're going to be productive into your early thirties. So let's not think that this year is all we have. Cause I'm sure Dame doesn't appreciate losing. It's he doesn't like it. Like, like it's yeah, very yeah. clear. So that's, that is a balancing act that Olshay has to be working right now. And I, I don't envy him. That's gotta be a tough job. When, like you said, Dame will never tank. Dame is here for every game he can play. Every game he's healthy, he's there to try and win it. Uh, So the only thing that the team can do is try to limit his minutes. Just try not to let him go too hard, carry the team, and strain himself doing it. Uh, So, yeah, I I guess the the big summary would be I'm totally down for the team to chase. Not chase, but I'm I'm down if the team makes the 8th or 7th seed and makes the playoffs, get the young guys to see what the playoffs look like, what the postseason looks like. But I think in general for the team, it's better if they don't. Yeah, I agree. I also, if the Blazers get seven or eight seed, they're not, they have no chance of getting out of the first round of the playoffs in, in yeah. those cases. So I and think in the playoffs in the playoffs, you're not going to see Dame rest. Like you're, if, if we make it to the play, uh, postseason, you're definitely not going to see Dame's minute, minutes cut back. He's going to then be carrying the team. He and CJ both uh, and whoever else is healthy at that point. And so that is the, that's the risky situation. I don't want Dame, especially uh, of all of them to get an injury in the postseason and have that slow him down next year. Yep. 
I'm with you. I, and I, I want, it's kind of sad to think the Blazers had a really good shot last year. And I know that, you know, the Warriors, they were, they were hurt when they played them last year and they still got swept. They had, that was, Hey, look, like you talk about getting chances to go far in the playoffs. That was one really good chance. And you know, they, they went as far as they did. And so, I mean, you can't feel too, too bad about that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's been a weird season, man. I have to tell you that. Um, but Hey, look, Brandon, you know, you know, my predictions always uh, about the Lakers. I I was still saying this year that I thought the Lakers could very well fall out of the playoffs. I didn't, this is not at all what I thought that the Blazers would be outside looking in and Lakers would be near the top end. That's right. It's it's still possible. LeBron might still have some bad luck. I'm not wishing for an injury or anything, but, uh, my prediction is not looking so good. I remember one of the last podcasts (laughs) you and I did on the Trailcasters. I think that we had Ryan Whitledge as a guest and we were talking about how good the Lakers might be. I'm pretty sure I was saying they'd be pretty good. And I'm pretty sure you remember that. Like, I, I think, I think what I said is they'd be closer to 60 wins than 50. That is maybe looking a little optimistic, but, um, yeah. Plus you, you think about, uh, I, 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 Andre Iguodala, where is he going to go? The Lakers don't really have a lot of flexibility to make a ton of moves, but, Anyway, that's a podcast for another day. We don't want to talk about the Lakers here on a Blazers show. Yeah, we show. can't end this on a Lakers note. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, go Blazers. Uh, Keith, it's always amazing to talk with you. If people wanted to reach out to you and your incredible podcast and see your work, how the hell would people do that? You can find me at Rip City Keith, and you can uh, find the pod at Trailcasters. Thank you, Brandon, for helping me develop the Trailcasters, helping get that whole thing started. I owe so much of it to you, and really appreciate you having me on here today, man. It's it's cool to see uh, see what you're doing here. I love the clips you're playing. Thanks for the the tips. You're, look at that. You're still teaching me. Even at this point, you're still giving me advice. Uh, much appreciated, my friend. And, hey, I love the Blazers, too. Or oh, wait, I like the Blazers. Wait, did I say that wrong? I no, like the Blazers, it's, it, it's it's I like the Blazers, but you could say <laughs> I, I like love the Blazers. It's all it's all um, you know, the logo is a heart that's also yeah, that's a B. It, yeah, so it's sort of yeah. it's a little ambiguous there. We don't know what that means. Uh, I like the, I like that. I, I saw the B in there too. I like we did the logo. That's good work. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate you, and uh, yeah, talk to you soon. Thank you so much again to the homie, Keith. It was so good to talk to him again. I was telling him after the podcast that honestly, having guests on that you don't know that well can be a little nerve-wracking sometimes. It can be uh, tough and you and you might feel a little bit kind of tight and maybe not full of yourself. But to talk with Keith, it was just like the other 100 podcasts we've done. It was so much fun. I really appreciate him. Uh, remember, you can check out his show, him and Ty Delbridge running the Trailcasters at Trailcasters across all social media. And you can find us always at I Like the Blazers on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, the thing that would help a ton is if you wouldn't mind giving a five star review and a rating, however, you're getting the podcast, whether it's Google Play or Stitcher, um, whether it's the podcast app on your iPhone or Castbox. Having a review and a rating really helps a lot, so I'd appreciate that. And always, you can send us emails um, if you wanted to do that at I like the Blazers at gmail.com. And with that, that's about it. I am your host, Brandon Goldner. I appreciate all of you. And until next time, go Blazers. <laughs>